Hello, church, and welcome to the FUMC Borough Podcast. This week, Reverend Drew Shelley is bringing us his sermon entitled, The Good Samaritan Visits Murfreesboro. This is part of our Lenten series called On the Way to the Cross, Living a Cross-Shaped Life. And he is preaching out of Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. We appreciate you joining us here on the podcast. We would also love for you to join us this coming Sunday at 8.30 a.m. for modern worship or 10.30 a.m. for traditional worship. Both of those services are offered virtually via our website, Facebook, and YouTube, or in person. Head on over to fumcm.org for more information about our safety protocols if you choose to join us in person. We are so glad that you have chosen to be in ministry here with us at First United Methodist Church of Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And we pray that we can all live into our mission of growing disciples of Jesus Christ who know Him, love Him, and serve Him for the transformation of Murfreesboro and the world. Before we turn to Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, I'd invite you to look at the Way of a Disciple card or look at the version that you can find on our church website. As we think about that journey of discipleship, the one our confirmands have already begun and are now beginning even more earnestly, uh, I want you to look at what's on the very front of that card. We talk about uh, helping God love the world back to life one heart at a time. That's one of the most important ways that we follow Jesus in this work. And so I would encourage you to think with the folks around you, what does it mean to help God in Jesus love the world back to life one heart at a time? It's a great privilege. It's a gift, a ministry of reconciliation. It's given to us in and through the Holy Spirit. It's something that we get to do every single day. So how does that happen in your home, in your workplace, in the world around you? Just be thinking about that as we worship together. Let's pray together before we turn our hearts to Luke chapter 10. Oh God, again, we come before your word. We pray that you would open our hearts and minds to what you say to us today through this reading in Luke's gospel. We trust that your Holy Spirit is at work wherever we are, binding us together and opening our hearts and minds to what you say to us. We pray it all in the name of Jesus, and together we say, Amen. You all know this story well, Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. Just then, a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, Well, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers, who stripped him, beat him, and walked, went away, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. 
he went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. This is the word of God for the people of God, and so we say, Thanks be to God. I'd like to start our journey here. We're thinking about living a cross-shaped life during this Lenten season and what that looks like. I'd like to start by retelling Jesus' story in a way that will better capture the feelings and the emotions of the crowd to which he spoke in the first century. There's so much in here that we miss if we don't bring in culture and context from his day. Now, I will say, this telling might irritate you a little bit, Jesus has a way of doing that. You can rest assured that folks in the crowd who heard Jesus tell this story were also irritated a little bit. So here we go. A man was headed up 840 from Murfreesboro to Nashville, hit a pothole and blew out all four tires. I know you can't imagine how that would happen. Bent the rims and everything. While he was waiting on AAA, a truck with some bad dudes stopped by. He thought they were there to help, but instead they beat him. They stripped him, they took his money and credit cards, and they left him half dead right on the side of the road, right there on 840. A Methodist preacher happened to be driving by. He saw the truck pull away, and the man, bloody, beaten, and nearly dead, lying right there. He saw all that. He looked at his watch. He got in the left lane. He whispered a prayer and said, I've got a meeting in Nashville with the bishop. I can't help it. He's just going to have to wait. And next to come by was one of our best church members. He did that thing, you know, where you, where you look away and pretend like you don't see anything over there. But his wife saw the man, uh, bloody, beaten, half dead. They were trying to get to Franklin before the Puffy Muffin stopped serving lunch, so they didn't stop. He tried really hard to remember the number for star THP, but he couldn't think of it. Uh, they decided that if that man was still there on the way back, why then they'd do something. Just then, a Muslim woman passed by. A Muslim woman passed by. She nearly wrecked her car trying to get to that man. She got a little nervous when he saw his bumper sticker way back from 2010. It said, just say no to the Islamic Worship Center. But she went on anyway. She took her first aid kit. She did what she could. She gave him water from her own water bottle. She wrapped her hajib around his head, somehow got him in her car. Blood was everywhere ruined absolutely ruined the back seat of that Toyota Camry. But they made it to the emergency room at St. Thomas Rutherford. They told Gordon Ferguson to make her as the responsible party to pay all his bills, no matter what they were. She said, I'll come back by and settle up this afternoon. Now, which of these do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? Which of these was a neighbor? Go and do likewise. We wonder, my goodness, Jesus, why do you have to put so much in one little story? Here we are trying to learn about living a cross-shaped life during this Lenten season. We're thinking about the way of a disciple and what that looks like for us and what it does not look like. 
This little story that Jesus tells shines a big old light on some things that are not part of discipleship. For example, there is a religious busyness that sucks the life out of us. Then there is a self-importance that says, my mission today is far more important than your mission, maybe even more important than your life. There is judgment and self-preservation. There's a, a healthy dose of not wanting to get involved. You know, my life is way too complicated. Anyhow, I got the job, the children, the wife, our aging parents. You know how this goes. I don't need another layer piled on top of all this right now. Thank you, but I'll pass on stopping to help. Jesus shines a light on all of that that is not discipleship. Jesus also shines a light on the true way of a disciple. Love God with your whole self and love your neighbor as you love yourself. And who is my neighbor, we wonder? Who is my neighbor? Anybody who is hurting or broken or in need, everybody is your neighbor. We begin to see that the way of a disciple is not so complicated and also not so easy as we first thought. There is a tremendous cost for the Good Samaritan, isn't there? Hands get dirty. You get tangled up in something. You, you risk personal loss. There is sacrifice. You risk death sometimes. There is pain here in this way of life pain and suffering on behalf of a person you might not even know, you might not even like. They might not even like you when they wake up and realize what you've done. Oh, we could write 10,000 words about all this stuff, about what being a neighbor really means. But there is one thing without which none of this can ever happen. The scripture says, Luke says, the Samaritan saw him, saw him and was moved with pity. In the Greek, the word is perhaps better translated compassion, but even more, it actually means something like her heart went out to him and encircled him. She saw him, her heart encircled him, and she went to him. Without this little three-part movement, the story comes to nothing, doesn't it? We saw him, our hearts encircled him, and we went to him. Nothing else matters at this point, not my identity, not his identity, not my goodness or his sin or my sin or his goodness, not our political affiliations and ideas, not the dramatic cost coming our way and money and tears and ruined clothes and inconvenience. All that matters is we saw our hearts encircled and we went. That is the way of a disciple. That is the way of life. It's a beautiful sentiment, isn't it? But it is so very hard to live this way, to do this thing, to truly love our neighbor. It means we have to love ourselves, and quite often we just don't. When I look back at my great failures to love my neighbor, even in my own home with my own people, I see quite clearly that without fail, my own inability to truly love my neighbor comes from a deeply broken sense of self-preservation, self-interest, self-protection, and a deeply rooted selfishness that refuses to really believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the good news that says, in Jesus, you really are God's beloved. There is no reason for you to be selfish anymore, and there is nothing you can do to make God love you any more or any less. It is the good news that says, 
God is creating within me a new heart, a clean heart, capable of true love, of purity, of compassion, of holiness. It is the gospel in which God says, in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven, you are whole, and you are mine. I really, really, really want to believe all of that is true, that God could just speak into my heart the kind of love and acceptance and self-worth that I've spent a, a lifetime trying to earn. I want to believe it so badly, but my actions often betray the truth, the truth that I very often don't, or at least that I don't believe it as much as I should. Because if I did, I could love my neighbor so much better regardless of who my neighbor is. I would see, my heart would encircle, and I would go, no matter the cost or the risk. The good news that we all need to hear today is that while we try and stumble into this way of life in Jesus, this way of a disciple, God is patient and kind, lavishly pouring grace into our lives to help us become the people God knows we can be as we take these steps to become people who see the hurts and pains of others, people whose hearts encircle, people who then go to show mercy, no matter the cost, no matter the risk, no matter the neighbor, and no matter what anybody else says. What does that mean for us? I think you know far better than I do. Those who have ears to hear, let them hear. Thanks be to God. Amen.